Well, once again, good morning, uh, VRBC, in person, online. Uh, So grateful to start this new sermon series with you that is in some ways inspired by a quote from C.S. Lewis. Uh, In his book of sermons, uh, The Weight of Glory, he said this about uh, the human race. He said, we are half-hearted creatures. He said, so often... Uh, We are fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. And he said, you know what we're like? He said, we're like a child making mud pies in an alley when we could be making sandcastles at the beach. Isn't that a powerful image? It's been over 80 years since C.S. Lewis wrote those words but I think they still ring true today. Maybe they ring more true today. God offers us a life of infinite joy, but too often we half-hearted creatures are are making mud pies, aren't we? Instead of living into the life that that God has for us. And so this morning we wanted to launch this four-week series. We're calling it Better, and we're searching for the better things that God has for us. Uh, the better life that is in his kingdom. And today we're going to talk about the better day. The better day. What does that mean? Well, I hope it will make sense about three-fourths of the way through the psalm uh, that we're going to read. It's Psalm 84. It's one of my favorites. Um, I say that about like 50 psalms. I know, but, but I do. I love the psalm so much. And um, uh, it has been a guide for me uh, for many years. And so I'm looking forward to, to looking at this psalm with you. Uh, psalm 84, hear the word of the Lord. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young, a place near your altar, Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before our God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on your shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. God bless the reading of his word. So today, as I mentioned, our focus is on the better day. And I thought I'd try this thought experiment with you. Uh, And I think you're gonna like it. I'm gonna ask you to picture What for you would be the perfect day, okay? Let's begin appropriately enough with the weather. Uh, What's the high today, 118? Is that what the high is today? Um, 
Uh, so for you, just think about it. What would, what would the perfect weather day be? Would it be kind of beach weather, sunny in 91? Would it be uh, the, the dogwoods blooming in spring kind of weather? Uh, maybe it's snowing. Maybe it's a white Christmas for you. For me, it would be late October, a kind of a college football Saturday kind of weather. What's your perfect day? What, what's the location of your perfect day? Are you in the mountains of Colorado? Are you in a deer blind? Uh, are you strolling down Park Avenue in Manhattan? Are you stepping into a museum in Paris? Are, are you in a packed football stadium? Are you in a deserted fishing cabin? What's the location of your perfect day? And, and who is with you on your perfect day? Your spouse or significant other, not both, of course, but, uh, but, but, sorry, I don't know why I said that. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, it just struck me funny and I wrote it. Uh, uh, who's with you? Uh, your children, uh, your, your best friend? Um, you know, for me, no discussion of a perfect day would be complete without figuring out what we're going to eat on that perfect day. As I was thinking about this thought experiment, I, I thought back to uh, about a year ago, uh, this last year in July, Jalita and I were blessed to, to be on a sabbatical in New York City, and one of, the, one of the great things about it is so often we would just stumble onto something, and hey, that looks interesting, and we'd, we'd look up reviews, and oh, yeah, let's go there, and we stumbled upon this restaurant in the Upper West Side of Manhattan called Jacob's Pickles. Now, I'd never been much of a fan of pickles before I went to Jacob's Pickles, but uh, that day kind of changed my mind. And not only the pickles, uh, but, but, but look what, what I got to eat on this particular day. You're looking at French toast biscuits covered with strawberries and powdered sugar. Mmm. That was yummy, right? What would your perfect day be like? But of course, even doing this thought experiment, I've kind of set you up, right? It's, it's sort of a, uh, it, 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 if you haven't already figured out, it's a little challenging to plan out the perfect day. It's a little challenging to get all the variables to line up correctly. And maybe your perfect day like me is, is that, you know, late October football weather. Well, it's not going to be that today, is it? Or tomorrow, or for the next 40-day forecast, as I read. Uh, so, so, so maybe your perfect day is, is, is with this person or that person, but, but you're not able to be with that person on that day. Maybe you're miles away. Maybe you're oceans away from your favorite place. And yet, and yet, for people of faith, Psalm 84 describes the perfect day, or, or maybe if we don't use the language of the perfect day, we use the language of the psalmist, the better day. The better day. And the ingredients of this day has little to do with the weather or the food. Oddly enough, the better day can happen any day. It can happen today, regardless of the circumstances that are going on in our day. And so I want to talk about a better day. I want to divide this psalm into three chunks, and I want to talk about three characteristics of the better day. Um, and the first one may be somewhat surprising to you. It, it's kind of surprising to me until I really thought about it. And that is the better day, 
according to Psalm 84, is first of all a day of longing. Does that surprise you? A day of longing? I mean, in some ways, in our thought experiment, on the perfect day, right, we weren't longing for anything, right? Everything we wanted was right there, this buffet of all of our favorite things. But yet, listen to how the psalmist begins describing this better day. In verses 1 and and 2, he says, How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. And then look at this word. My soul yearns. Look at this word. Even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. A day of yearning. (laughs) A day of longing. Isn't that a fascinating thought? What if our best days are days when we're hungry for God? What if our best days are days like today when we hear one another singing out, Lord, I need you. I, I, I yearn for you. I long for you. Isn't it interesting that among the many groups that Jesus blessed in the Beatitudes, he said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They shall be filled. I'll bet many of us would say that as we look back over our lives, some of our best days are those days when, say, we first fell in love, when our hearts were so full of yearning and longing for this new special person in our lives. We might say that as we look back, some of our best days were days when we were packing the car for a vacation, days when we were boarding the plane for a special destination, and our hearts were filled with such anticipation. As we look at the original setting of this psalm, uh, we, we believe it to be a psalm composed by a pilgrim. You know, uh, for the, the faithful Jew in ancient Israel, uh, you would make three religious vacations a year, three religious pilgrimages. And so we're not sure which one this was. Maybe it was the Feast of Tabernacles that the psalmist was going to. Maybe it was Passover. But along the way, the pilgrims would dream of the temple. Uh, they would dream of what it would be like to, to finally see the temple. And the psalmist says something so interesting. Uh, the psalmist says, I envy the sparrows. I envy the swallows. Now, I, I'm no bird expert. What's your fancy name for that? Ornithologist, is that right? I'm no ornithologist. But, but I, uh, I would have to believe that the sparrow globally speaking, is one of the most common birds. Wouldn't you think that? I mean, if I were going to envy a bird, um, I would, I'd envy the bald eagle, right? I'm, I'm an American. I, I, would, I would envy a falcon, right? Uh, uh, I, I wouldn't envy a, a sparrow. I would envy a red-tailed hawk. I would envy a predator or something. I, I, I wouldn't envy a sparrow. And yet the psalmist envies the sparrow, not the sparrow him or herself, but where the sparrow, where the swallow builds a nest. The sparrow builds a nest in the rafters of the temple. I want you to play around with that thought. What what if your best day, what if my best day is not a day when we gorge ourselves on treats and binge Netflix? What if our best day is a day when we hunger for God? 
when we want to be the sparrow in the presence of God. You know, when I think of seasons that I've spent with uh, sick, older family members, some of the saddest moments for me seem to be when that family member has no appetite for anything. And so you say, hey, mom, how about if I go and get your favorite dessert? And she says, that's okay, sweetie. I'm not hungry. Or you say, hey, dad, I think we ought to go to that favorite steak place of yours. And, uh, and he says, ah, that's okay, son. Steak just doesn't taste good to me anymore. Our worst days, right? Our worst days are days when we have no appetite. Our worst days are days when nothing tastes good. But let me ask you another question. Have you ever had somebody offer you something and say, hey, you know what, I'm really not hungry. And they say, okay, okay, all right. But you just taste this. That's all I want you to do is taste it. And you taste it, and what happens? Suddenly, you're ravenous. Suddenly, you're so hungry because what you just put in your mouth tastes so good that you, you discover a hunger you didn't know, and you have to have more and more and more of it. Well, I pray that happens for us when it comes to the things of God. Maybe sometimes we don't realize how hungry we are for worship, how hungry we are for the presence of God. But then we, we, maybe we've gotten out of the habit, but then we, we, we stand together and we sing out our praise uh, with brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's like, that is so sweet. I didn't know how much my soul missed that. I want more of that. Maybe we've avoided the Bible for a while, but suddenly we read something and it, it sparks a deep hunger and we keep thinking about it and it makes us read a little more and dig a little more and think a little more and pray a little more. That better day is a day of longing. It's a day of spiritual hunger that God promises to fill. There's a second characteristic in the psalm, I think, the middle part of the psalm, of what that better day looks like. And I think we would all uh, agree that this is something that uh, we would give a thumbs up to, and that is, it's a day of strength. A day of strength. A better day is a day when we find hidden resources of God's strength. I, I think this is so clearly put in verse five. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. I mean, I guess if you looked in the Guinness Book of World Records, you would find the upper level, uh, the, the highest record of, of strength, the, 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 the highest amount of weight someone's ever lifted over their head, right? But, but even that number, would, there'd be a limit to it. But for the one whose strength is in God, what's the limit? Blessed are those whose strength is in you. Who among us doesn't want to find that strength? Especially in an era where, where fatigue seems to be the dominant mood of the day. And then, and then look at the second part of that verse. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. Not whose feet, interestingly enough, but whose hearts are on a pilgrimage. Some of us, uh, maybe that, that idea of pilgrimage is kind of new to us. It, uh, the, the, the technical definition of a pilgrimage is a, is a long trip with a religious destination, okay? 
Now, it, some of us may make pilgrimages to a college homecoming or that kind of thing, but it's, this is different, okay? The, the, the purpose of a pilgrimage is almost, it's like a spiritual discipline, a journey with a spiritual destination. And one of the ways the psalmist finds strength is he says, you know what, in a sense, my whole life is a pilgrimage. My heart is set on pilgrimage. Literally, there's a highway in my heart. I love that. My life is a pilgrimage. There's a highway in my heart that points the way to God. Um, Verse 6 talks about this this hidden strength that says, as they, pilgrims, pass through the valley of of Bacah, could mean the, the valley of weeping, it could mean the valley of tears. They make it a place of springs. The autumn rains cover it with pools. I agree with those who say that this is not about a desert rainstorm, as amazing as that is. But this is about when we walk through the desert places in life. And yet somehow, out of nowhere, God rains down strength. And then I think verse 7, one of my favorite verses in the psalm, it says these pilgrims go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Yes, Physically speaking, that's not true. Economically speaking, maybe that's not true. Vocationally speaking, that's not always true. But yet, that person whose heart is set on pilgrimage, they find strength here, and they find strength here, and they find strength here, and their story, their spiritual autobiography is from strength to strength. A couple of weeks ago, um, we had a memorial service for my sweet mother-in-law, Joanne Wells, and um, during that service, um, I got to preach her funeral, and uh, I shared a story that I think for her was kind of a, a valley of tears story. When she was just a girl, uh, she committed herself to global missions, which is kind of amazing to think about, and uh, she had determined uh, when she went to Samford, then it was called Howard College, uh, that she wouldn't date anybody unless they were also committed to global missions, uh, which uh, must have disappointed a lot of future lawyers and doctors, you know. But, uh, uh, but then she met my father-in-law, and he felt called to global missions as well. And they uh, got married. They went to seminary. They had a few kind of early pastorates uh, in, in places uh, like Selma, Alabama. And then they were finally Uh, In 1960, they were bound uh, for Indonesia, uh, which is just amazing for me to think about, you know, to learn a whole new language, to wear a whole new wardrobe in a, you know, in a country so different from the one they grew up in. They boarded the ship. In in those days, you didn't fly. Uh, You you were on a a ship for for weeks, and and Joanne was horribly seasick uh, the whole journey. And tragically, on that same journey, she miscarried. Uh, She would talk later about how homesick she was, how seasick she was. And she had two little girls at the time, and and they're in South Korea waiting for their visas, and they don't speak the language, and and she's just kind of lonely. And she finds on the radio this English, English language Christian radio station. And she's listening one day in South Korea, and she hears this song, that had been a favorite of hers, that she'd sung it all her life. Um, Her parents had sung it all their lives. 
Uh, and, and that song may be familiar to you. It's, it's, it's a hymn. It's what a friend we have in Jesus. And she said as she heard the words of those songs, what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. She said that song, a song she'd sung her whole life, was a reminder to her of the constancy of Jesus, and it gave her strength in the moment to keep going. In the midst of pain, in the midst of tears, right? the Lord strengthened her to face one challenge after another, to go from strength to strength. You see, friends, the better day is not necessarily the problem-free day. <laughs> Often it's not. The better day is not necessarily the, the, the you know, bonbon kind of day. It's, 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 it's not the, the French toast biscuit and strawberry kind of day. It's not, uh, as, as one of our graduate school friends used to say, it's not the sipping mint juleps out on the veranda kind of day. Uh, no, but when we remember our friendship with Jesus, right? the privilege of giving him all of our burdens, the privilege of prayer, we find unexpected strength on this pilgrimage. The better day, it's a day of longing, ironically enough. It's a day of spiritual strength. And then ultimately, as we look at the last part of the psalm, it's a day of favor. It's a day of God's favor, God's grace. The psalmist voices his prayer in verse eight. He prays for the king. Uh, as we pray for our leaders, he prays that, that God would bless the king, that the king would lead faithfully. But then we get to that beautiful verse in verse 10. Uh, and this is where the inspiration for this sermon came in. That is, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. What a verse. The better day is the day in God's presence. I mean, the psalmist says you could think of, of, of a thousand perfect days elsewhere, but he says I'd rather be spending that day in God's court than to be anywhere else. It's almost like he hearkens back to that sparrow's nest uh, that he talked about in verse three. And he uses a different image here, but he says, I'd rather be a doorkeeper. I'd rather be at the threshold of God. In my Bible, there's a little inscription, maybe there is in yours after Psalm 85. It says, for the director of music. And then it says, of the sons of Korah. You know, the main job of the sons of Korah? They were gatekeepers. They were doorkeepers. What's the psalmist saying? He says, I don't have to sit at the table of honor in the tents of the wicked. No, I'd rather be standing the whole time just at the door, at the threshold, just to be that near your presence, God. The better day, verse 11 says, is a day of basking in God's favor. Verse 11 says, for the Lord is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor or grace and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. He is the sun. The sun brings life and light to creation. 
He is the shield. He's the source of our ultimate protection. He bestows his grace upon us. He honors us. Yes, we honor him. He honors us. Are you, are you worried about missing out on all the fun if you choose to follow God? You shouldn't. Why? Because no good thing will God withhold. No ultimately good thing will God keep from you when you follow him. I, I've long been inspired by a monk who lived 300 years ago, a middle-aged man named Nicholas Herman. He, he entered a monastery in France, and he spent the, the next 30 years of his life until his death. He lived his life as a cook in France, Nicholas Herman. Now, why am I talking about an obscure French monk, cook, 300 years after his death? Well, it's because this monk had a consuming passion, and his consuming passion was to walk continually in God's presence. In fact, you know, when you enter a monastery, they, they, they would give you a name after a, a saint, and uh, he chose uh, my saint name, Lawrence, uh, and uh, he became known as Brother Lawrence, and he wrote a book that continues to be published, that continues to influence Christians, and the book is called The Practice of the Presence of God. And the idea of the book was he wanted, uh, the, the teaching that was captured in the book was that he wanted to try to figure out how he could spend each moment of his life in God's presence. While he was washing the dishes, which he did a lot as a cook, he wanted to wash the dishes in God's presence. And he said, if I can wash the dishes in God's presence, there's no more valuable activity than I can do right now. In one of his writings, he said, if I were a preacher, I would, above all other things, preach the practice of the presence of God, for there is nothing in the world sweeter or more delightful than a continual conversation with God. A better day, a better day is, is, is knowing that as we walk through our day, through his grace, through his continual forgiveness, through his presence, we're not alone. Whatever we're doing, wherever we are, we're not alone. The psalmist says, I'll be a sparrow if I can nest in his presence. I'll hold the door open. I'm great with that. Just let it be the door that leads to his presence. Now for the psalmist, he likely dreamed of a, of a physical temple in Jerusalem that was far away. But I want you to know that our temple, the temple that we dream about, is not a, uh, a mostly broken down wailing wall in the city of Jerusalem. Our temple is Jesus. We are a spiritual house, Peter says. We are the body of Christ, Paul says. The word Jesus became flesh and moved into the neighborhood, and we have beheld his glory full of grace and truth. We are in the temple. <laughs> we are the temple because Christ lives in us. Maybe this week, maybe this week you want to invite God to be your conversation partner. As you get ready for the day, as you drive through your neighborhood, as you see a, a sparrow at a bird feeder, right? even as you make your way maybe through a tearful valley, 
you want to pray that God would give you strength. You see, our best days are not necessarily poolside, are they? They're not necessarily days viewed from a a ski lift looking down at fresh powder. Those are great days, uh, but most days aren't like that, are they? Our best days are not necessarily spent at a five-star restaurant or playoff game. Our best days are those days when our hunger for God is high, when our strength for God is sufficient, and when the favor and grace of God is pouring down from the sky. Our best days are days when two or three or more are gathered in his name and his Holy Spirit is with us. Our best days, ironically enough, are sometimes our hardest days. You know, I think one of the bravest sermons I ever heard was from a guy who was not a preacher by profession. He's a journalist, author, former presidential speech writer. His name is Michael Gerson. And uh, in 2019, he was preaching at the National Cathedral. And he opened his sermon with an apology because he had originally been scheduled to preach there a few weeks earlier, but he'd had to cancel. And the reason he had to cancel, he said, was because he had been hospitalized for depression. It was very brave of him. He openly acknowledged that this pilgrimage that he's been on, this pilgrimage that you and I are on, is not necessarily one that is free from pain. He went so far as to say that there's so much pain in the world as we look around, that there's plenty of reason for doubt and anger and sadness if we just focus on the pain. He said the life of faith is not necessarily a life of just eliminating all doubt. He said that has proven to be impossible even for Uh, the most ardent saints of God. No, he said, faith is staking your life on the rumor of grace, which we know is more than just a rumor. He said, faith is this. Faith is believing that at the end of all our striving and longing, we find not an impersonal force in the universe as so many agnostics and atheists believe, but we find a face, the face of God, the face of Jesus, the Word made flesh. We find a face that like a sun shines on us, like a shield protects us. We find the face of one who covers us with grace and mercy and forgiveness. And even ironically, our hardest days, friends, our hardest days can be a better day because the eyes of our hearts are open to see his face. Let's pray. Lord, because you know us so well, you know that so often we spend so many days trying to engineer the perfect day, and yet, Lord, so often the perfect day doesn't satisfy. The perfect day doesn't last. And yet, Lord, your word tells us that any day that is spent with you can be better than a thousand elsewhere. Why? Because you fill 
our longing for you. Why? <laughs> Lord, it's because you strengthen us to face the challenges of the day. Why? Because, Lord, your favor, your grace is with us. Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you for your friendship. Thank you for prayer. Thank you for invisible strength. Thank you for mercy. Lord, teach us what it means to live in your favor and your amazing grace, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.